ladies and gentlemen, what's going on? It's Offside Hockey Talk, proudly brought to you by Boxing Rocks Brewing Coast, Puck Off Lagerdale, a delicious beer for the big game. And of course, we're joined by Terry Koshan. And if you can't figure it out, I don't know which side the camera's on. So I'll point that way and hopefully it's right. Um, Terry, lots to talk about in Leafland. Mm-hmm. Obviously, the trade deadline has passed, goaltending woes, the Boston game. Um, how's everything been in your world, first off? Everything's fine. Uh, yeah, just kind of trucking through. And I'm like everyone else, James. Uh, when March 21 at 3.01 p.m. Eastern hit, I think we could all let our shoulders relax a bit and and move on, uh, you know, especially that day. Usually, like, uh, Dubas seems to have something uh, cooking in the pot a little bit later. But when we got word that day that he was going to be speaking right around 3 o'clock, we knew that nothing late was happening for the Leafs. So, Good to get that done and out of the way. And then, uh, like everyone else, you concentrate on the last four or five weeks here and look forward to the playoffs. Yeah, well, definitely. Well, let's start there. We'll use the uh, the trade deadline as a jumping off point. Sure. Um, want to ask you about the the acquisitions the Leafs made and also maybe something that uh, didn't happen that maybe you heard was cooking. Um, the Leafs obviously were looking for a veteran defenseman. They got one in Giordano. Mm-hmm. They were looking for let's just call it a pain in the ass type player, which Blackwell definitely fits the bill for Mm -hmm. uh, like what he's brought so far down in the bottom six Um, for you. What do you grade the Leafs trade deadline day as? Uh, I'd say B plus because James, I'd go back to, uh, you know, not just including that, but the the acquisition of Labushkin. Yep. Who I think has been a revelation for them. There's no doubt. And uh, you know, you look at that trade initially and go, okay. Um, Kyle Dubas gets out from underneath the mistake that he made in signing Richie to a tier contract. It didn't work out good. He gets, he gets that off the books and really that's all you want at that point. Get Richie out of, out of Toronto and that's that. Well, you get a, you get to, you know, a, a, a very serviceable defenseman in Labushkin back. He's coming at an element they didn't have. We know that now. And uh, one of these guys, you know, last year was weird. Of course, we didn't really see anybody play other than what was happening in the North division. And, uh, you know, kind of fly under the radar a bit. But he's coming and done a good, nice job for Toronto. So I lumped that in with what Dubas did on March 21, or I guess March 20th, which was to get to Giordano and Blackwell from uh, Seattle. Didn't give up anything that he 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 didn't want to give up in, in the first rounders or, or uh, you know, any of the prospects the Leaf has, which I, which I think was key. If you can look at it that way, you know, we apparently there was they went down the road with Flurry a bit. It didn't happen. I guess you're rolling the dice, but uh, with the goaltending, but Mrazic's come back and done good things before he got hurt last night. So um, I, I like what he did uh, because, you know, Giordano has come in and formed a really effective pair with Lilligren. I mean, you look at it on paper right away, James, and what do we think is going to happen? Well, he's going to wind up with Brody at some point. That could still yeah. happen. We still have some time here to go before the playoffs, so we could see that. Keith said it would probably get a look, but um, – He's been great, fit in right away. When you're getting a veteran, a 38-year-old veteran who's won the Norris Trophy, there's not going to be much of an adjustment period for him, and we saw that there wasn't. And I think Colin Blackwell's been better the last couple of times than scoring his first goal last night. So I think I think Dubas did fine. I mean, he had his, his hands tied a bit, obviously. We know that with the salary cap issues and everything else. Didn't get a goalie, but, uh, you know, to keep the fingers crossed that Jack Campbell comes back here fairly shortly. He finds the form he had that got him to Vegas for the All-Star game. And you move on. But, yeah, I, I like what Dubas did on uh, on uh, the 20th, 21st. No, I like the moves. And you're right. The the Labushkin deal should not be overlooked, obviously, getting Nick Ritchie's yeah. cap off there. But a guy that actually fits seamlessly with Morgan Riley. Yeah. Um, you know, it I mean, allows yeah, to Brody. Yeah, you know, you don't uh, – when, when they acquire him, you don't necessarily think, okay, throw him with Riley and see what happens. But that's what they've had to do, and it's worked, you know. And and good for, the, good for Labushkin. He's come in and – like I said, he's played an honest game. You know, we'll see what comes out of this Taylor Hall sucker punch that he took last night. Uh, hopefully he's not injured for a long term or anything like that. I know Morgan Riley was saying just after the game, James, that he had talked to Labushkin and he seemed okay. But, you know, that's also not with the, that's not that's not coming from a team doctor either. So we'll know more on Thursday <laughs> following the morning skate uh, prior to the game against Winnipeg. But uh, you just got to like what he's come in and provided for them because a lot of that they didn't have. Well, we talked a lot about the fact, and I mean, you've talked about this before, about Jake Muzzin being mm-hmm. the guy that carried the load physically on the back end for the Toronto Maple Leafs and how much toll that might take on a guy. Now you have Labushkin doing that and Giordano to some extent. So mm-hmm. it takes some of that bearing off of uh, Muzzin when he does come back. But the thing I like the most about the Giordano acquisition 
it's just kind of solidified Timothy Lilligren. Yeah. It's brought him along. And to hear the words that Giordano used his first game with Lilligren talking about his poise and, you know, how he played with the puck and how he was very confident out there. And he was really, you know, in his own with his abilities. He was very, uh, you know, speaking gleamingly. And a guy who's won the Norris Trophy, you don't take that as a grain of salt. Yeah. So, I mean, that's another pair now that the Leafs may be able to move forward with not having, again, to pair him with Brody, allowing Brody to, you know, move freely throughout, I guess, your defensive corps and go where he needs to. And TJ Brody is such a calming influence. He's the guy who breaks up with like how many two-on-ones a game. Yeah. So I like the ability to put him with a guy that might struggle, whether it's Hall or maybe Muzzin coming back off the injury. You mm-hmm. put him with Brody where it's a kind of a, a safety blanket, so to speak. Well, Brody's that type of guy you put with anyone and their game jumps up, right? And we've seen that. I mean, he's a perfect way to put it, calming influence and all that. Listen, he's had a bit of a rough go here, a couple of weird deflections. We saw another one last night, but that's not uh, typical the way he plays the game, especially defensively. The active stick is so good. Uh, you know, like you say, breaking up a lot of bottom men rushes, that sort of thing. So we'll see how – I'm curious to see how it all plays out, James, before the playoffs start. Um Two or three weeks ago, if you had told me that Lilligren might be a, a playoff regular, I would have said, "Okay, well, who's hurt?" But you're right; he, he has done a good he has done a good job with Giordano, and um, you know he's brought out the best in the kid. I think, uh, but again, playing with some poise that uh, you know is, is important. Does that now? Does that last over the long haul of playoff series? We'll have to see. Uh, but you know, if, if everyone's healthy going in, and you know the, the status of Rasmus Sandin remains unclear at this point. Um, I'll be curious to see who Sheldon Keefe of the eight, uh, which two he decides to sit. But uh, what you're making, what you're getting right now, you have to like the Giordano Lilligren pairing. It's 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 a good sign for the Leafs. Um, when a brother becomes more than that, we'll have to see. But you really have to like what they're bringing. And Giordano is just, um, you know, you talk again, someone who plays played in the West the whole time, right? So we know what he's doing in Calgary. We briefly saw him in Seattle. wasn't there very long, but. When you see the the player night in and night out, you have a, a greater appreciation for what he does, even a guy who won the Norris Trophy like he did a few years ago. So, um, so far, the returns have all been excellent with Giordano, and and we see what's happening now with him. Yeah, well, that's definitely. And that also gives the least time with a guy like Sandine. If this pairing does well, you don't have to rush Sandine back. You don't have to worry about him coming in immediately and having to have an impact. Um, we'll look at the two injuries, though. I mean... Justin Hall, don't quite know what's going to happen there. Right. Um, have you heard anything about Justin Hall? Is it just a cut? Is it a concussion? Well, I mean, nothing yet. I mean, they're off today, and the Leafs are pretty yeah. tight-lipped in these things on off days. Um, so, you know, we're going to hit with – I think we're going to get hit with a barrage of news tomorrow morning after this. We'll know at the skate. You know, the Leafs yeah. take – after a day off, they do a full morning skate with line rushes and everything else, not an optional. So being off today, we should have a fairly good indication uh, tomorrow morning uh, before Sheldon speaks who will be in and out of the lineup. But, uh, you know, we'll have to see. It's another tough break for Hall, right? Just got the visor off and or the full full, the full shield off, and he gets hurt on a fluke play. And yeah, yeah you, have, you have to hope that Hall's all right. And uh, and, and ditto for Lelouch. You know, like I say, we'll find out in the morning and then go from there. Well, we'll talk about this real quickly. With the injuries that has happened to the Leafs defense, if they are out, does that push the timetable forward trying to get Jake Muzzin in the lineup? And second to that, for Petamorazic obviously getting hurt, we see Jack Campbell taking his own net, taking shots and reps and things like that. Does that move yeah. his timetable up? Or do the Leafs look at it and say, hey, we're comfortably in a playoff spot. No one is catching us. Whether we go to a wild card spot, third, second, or first in the Atlantic, we're in. We have the time on our side to let these guys rest. And be yeah. it, may it be, whatever our opponent is in the first round, we can let these guys get to 100%. Well, it's never been it's never been Kyle Dubas's way to uh, speed up the recovery of injured players because there are other injuries that have happened. They find a way to make it work. So I don't think you're going to see that with Muzzin or Campbell. Uh, now, Muzzin in Muzzin's case, kind of like Campbell, get through a full practice uh, with the team and everything. Campbell, like you say, had his own net in uh, in uh, Boston for the morning skate. But it's one thing to be in a morning skate; it's another to go for a you know a hard. 30 or 40 minute practice. Leafs will have that on Friday. Didn't have it today. Have yeah. it on Friday before they head on their four game trip. So we'll have to see. Ditto for Muzzin. And, uh, you know, um, but I don't, I don't think they're going to, those things will be sped up by anything that's happening on the exterior. 
they're going to be back when they're ready to go. Um, you know, we'll see what happens cap wise with all that sort of thing. But uh, yeah, the Leafs have never rushed anything under Kyle Dubas, and I don't think they're about to start. And like you say, James, they're in a good, they're they're, they're in a playoff spot. Yeah. You want? Would you want to win the division? Of course you do. Do you want home ice? Of course you do. You're in the playoffs today. You're not. That's not going anywhere. Yeah, it's so, not changing. That's why my philosophy would be, and I've told you this. We said this last year too with Freddie. Get everybody healthy and then have a yeah. full complement running through the playoffs, yeah. which is something the Leafs really haven't done. I mean, they went into last year's playoffs severely banged up. Austin yeah. Matthews with the wrist, Jake Muzzin ailing. So, I mean, this may be the, the healthiest they might get to go in. Um, touch on Jack for just a second. Yeah. The rib injury, obviously. Um, Morgan Riley kind of alluded to it was something he was dealing with for a little while. Mm-hmm. Um, that yeah, could have affected his play. Yeah. So, I mean, you look at, say, okay – I don't know about you, but if I got a rib injury, let alone breathing, I don't know about playing in an NHL game and taking physical contact, how well that would hold up for a regular average Joe, but he is playing through it. Um, do you get a sense of where he's at and how long he might be? I mean, obviously, we like we just said, taking a net's one thing, taking a full practice is another. Um, you know, Is it a long, long-term thing, do you think, for him, or are we on the cusp of seeing him back the next couple of weeks? I think we – well, I think even sooner than that. And, again, I don't think the Morazic injury speeds it up. But, no. you know, from the way the schedule looks now, James, Thursday night at home against Winnipeg, Friday practice in Toronto at Philly Saturday, I would assume that they will practice on Sunday, likely in Florida – in Tampa, it is in Tampa on Monday night, right? For, it is uh, Tampa Monday yeah. night, Florida. Yeah, um, I'm, yeah. I mean, I'm assuming they'll ta- they'll practice Sunday in, in in the Tampa area because they will take you know the Wednesday will they won't be on the ice. They'll be coming off a back to back, and you're going to be traveling to Dallas. So, you know, there's a couple of practices there for him to get into. Will they deem that one on Friday is enough and and, and play him against Philadelphia? We'll have to see, but you know. What did Keith say to us yesterday? At this point, you can consider it day to day. So I take him at his yeah. word for it. Because all of the all of the things that uh, that Campbell's been doing, he's been getting through these workouts on ice workouts fine. And as far as a rib injury goes, we don't know is it a muscle or is it a bone. I think there's probably two different things there. You're right. If yeah. you have a, a rib muscle injury, you know, breathing, let alone playing net in the National Hockey League or anywhere else, would be a task. I would think. I don't know from experience. I've never had a rib injury, but if it's a bone bruise, maybe it's something different. But again, you know, the illusion has been made that he was deal- he had been dealing with something, and it didn't happen in that last game. I think it was Seattle on March eighth yep. that he played. That so so it might have been lingering, but uh, you know what? Um, the Leafs have come out of it. I mean, they would you have liked to win some of those games against the lesser opponents? Well, Campbell's would, of course. But here they are again, uh, keeping their heads above water in the top three in the Atlantic Division. So they managed to get through it. Razik rebounded nicely after going on waivers. I don't think anyone saw that coming. No. I certainly didn't, and many others didn't. But uh, no, I, I think Campbell's around the corner here. Um, he won't. I don't. He's not going to play against Winnipeg, but you know, I, I would imagine that Philadelphia is a, a possibility if he gets through uh, the Friday practice. Okay. Now, talking about the Winnipeg game, we're going to run through some more players here in a couple moments. But the Winnipeg game keeps coming up, so let's talk about that for a second. It's going to be a physical game after what happened last game between these two teams and all the hoopla afterwards. I know players say that, you know, they check that at the door or whatever, but we seen last night with Marshan and some of these guys, things do get remembered and brought forward. Uh, I could see that happening tomorrow night in the Winnipeg game. I was really hoping to have Ben Morazic between the pipes because obviously a veteran guy uh, can settle it down. Winnipeg, I think, is going to be an ornery bunch. They really want to make a push for the playoffs. That window is closing daily for them um, to get in. It's going to be a physical game, and you hope a guy like Labushkin can be in there uh, as well. Hall Hall's been throwing his weight around a little bit too. Yeah. Um, yeah. What do you think tomorrow night's going to be between these two teams? Is it going to be fireworks, which everybody seems to expect? Everybody's building up the anticipation that something's going to crack off here, or is it going to be two teams that are going to take care of their business and move forward, knowing what time of year it is? Well, the Jets can't afford to play around. You know, the, the, we have to give the Jets credit. At, when they came out of the All-Star break, they were nine points out of a playoff spike, spot. Yep. Sorry, They've uh, lessened that gap to three points now going into tonight. It could be even less tomorrow or, you know, if they win in Buffalo tonight. So I, I don't know. But, you know, having said that, there was the issue with Neil Pionk last year and, and Mitch Marner. Now, I know that the teams played after that against each other, and that didn't come to the fore again. But uh, I'm talking about the push on the empty net goal. Yep, I know you're talking about yeah, and then um, 
you know, what happened in uh, in Winnipeg in December, you know, referring to obviously the Spezza suspension, Pionk getting two games for the Neon Sandine. Does it carry over? I would think not. It could. I, I And I say that only because of where Winnipeg is in the standings. I mean, you know, the Leafs don't want to get into shenanigans either here against a team they're not they're not going to see again this season. What's the point? Um, you know, but you know what? Players are players, and if they they deem it necessary to get at some of these things, then they will. But uh, just with Winnipeg is where in the standings, James. I don't. I would be very surprised they're going to be looking for anything extra tomorrow and take any risk of putting that uh, uh, that group of Toronto players on the power play. I just don't see that happening. Yeah, well, no, Toronto's power play, for the limited amount of time they get, by the way, is pretty yeah. darn lethal. I think it's still first in the NHL. Uh, Boston learned that firsthand last night. Uh, I agree with you. I think Winnipeg's going to put their heads down and try to win this game, obviously, and, and narrow that gap or even creep their way into a playoff spot, which is crazy to think the Vegas Golden Knights may not make it. Um, you know, after all the acquisitions and different things, maybe it might actually come to fly in their face that you can't just keep shipping guys out and messing with the uh, the roster. And then the Dadnov situation, That's uh, that may be just the yeah. hockey god smiling down and saying, you got to keep him. He's going to score, but you guys might not make it and you're not going to like it. Yeah, that's a crazy situation there. It seems the the, the, the the better the players that Vegas gets, the worse they the worse off they become. doesn't make a heck of a lot of sense, but that's, you know, we 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 kind of we get into the conversations here, James, about the, some of the uh, the challenges the Leafs have cap wise. There's no comparison to what's going on in Vegas. No, that is a, that's a whole different kettle of fish. Yeah, when you have that situation and you can't put the uh, the proper team on the ice because of it on on any given night, that's tough. And uh, you know, we'll we'll see what happens. But you know, Vegas is in that conversation. Vancouver is not going away completely. And the Jets have clearly made it clear that, you know, they're not uh, giving up this fight either. Dallas Stars either. So it's going to be fascinating to see who makes it out of the West in that group. Yeah, We know in the East it's done. So there has to be a little bit of suspense. And thank goodness they're supplying that in the Western Conference. Because as we know, the top eight in the East have been settled since, I don't know, the last time we talked, which was months yeah. ago. Yeah, no, it definitely has. And like, that's why I said, for the Leafs, I mean, there's no, there's no rush or no worry. You're making it. There's no way a team is catching you and, and grabbing you there. Um, I want to ask, though, trade deadline, we didn't get to get asked this question. So there was a little bit of kerfuffle between mm-hmm. two Kyles over the, the Marc-Andre Fleury incident. How did you read that room after that happened when Kyle Dubas addressed it uh, to the media and didn't like the fact that it got out? Obviously, it made its way to the Board of Governors meeting as well. It wasn't mm-hmm. tabled by the Maple Leafs, but it was tabled by someone else about leaks. So obviously it's something that caught the eye and the ire of other GMs uh, to the point where Davidson had to address it. And I wouldn't say apologize, but just put it out there on the floor that it did get out and, you know, going forward, it'll be better. And that the men, the relationship has been mended. Uh, yeah. But how do you feel on your side of things and what vibe did you get? Cause it seemed like he was pretty, uh, pretty pissed off. He was. And you know what? I think you're going to, we'll look back and chalk this up to a mistake made by a, an inexperienced GM in Chicago. Right. That, you know, it's uh, a difficult spot for Dubas because the the Leafs are a a pretty tight organization that way. And that was, you know, people can argue all they want about Lou Lamorello and everything. I have a lot of respect for the man and the job he's done in the league. But that was something that Kyle learned from from Lou was that airtight uh, lid, if you will, on these types of things. And and the Leafs are good at, at, at keeping that stuff in house. And most of the time, you know, that you know, you hear names and everything and kicking tires and this guy and that. I know there's a lot of that stuff going into the playoff, going into the, the deadline story, James, but this was different. This yeah. was pretty, pretty, uh, pretty factual what you're looking at here. So, you know, Kyle, I think was up, Dubas was upset because, you know, if you look at the package that allegedly was going to go back the other way, you know, you're trading Travis Dermott. So that's not a big deal, but he'd said he wanted to hold on to his, his prospects and Matt Nyes and the, and the, and the picks and all that sort of thing. But, uh, you know, what does it say to Jack Campbell and his recovery if you're trying to get Marc-Andre Fleury, right? And that that becomes public. And if that trade never happens, then and that doesn't become public, then, you know, the goaltender in Toronto now is trying to come back to this rib injury who you have said is your number one guy and you're confident in, never knows that that was on the table. Everyone does now. You know, I think they move on. Um, 
uh, it's unfortunate that it played out this way, but I, I think it's, uh, you know, like I say, a lesson learned for, for Davidson in Chicago. And, uh, you know, on Dubas' end, what more can you, what more can you say to anybody? I don't know how, how uh, you know, how forceful GMs are in, in talking to each other about what don't let, don't leak this, don't leak that. I mean, I'm not sure if those things ever yeah. come, ever come up in conversations. So that's assumed, but, uh, you know, it's, uh, a lesson learned on all sides, I guess you move on. But, um, you know, I, in the, in the grand scheme of things, James, I think the, the worry for, for Dubas perhaps is what impact it may or may not have on Campbell. You know, if, if Campbell's the stronger guy that, you know, he's led us to believe that he is in, in with the way that his game has come around this year and last year, the way that he thinks it's going to come around again, uh, then, then I don't think this is going to bother him. I don't think it'd be an issue. But the day it happened, there's no doubt. We, you don't see that type of reaction from Kyle Dubas very often, if at all. Yeah. And that He's was a little bit of words. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, you know, water under the bridge, you know, like I said, I don't think it'll have an impact on Jack Campbell one way or the other as he tries to get his game back here in the final uh, three or four weeks. Uh, one thing for me for this situation, it kind of reminded me of when the Leafs went and got uh, Jonathan Bernier when they had James Reimer. I bring this up a lot because I really think that it really affected James Reimer's confidence with the Maple Leafs when they brought Jonathan Bernier in because Reimer had gone and got them to the playoffs and done all these different things. And really, you know, it kind of roused your confidence. Oh, I did this for you, but now I'm not good enough. You're going to get somebody else. I wonder that same cause and effect with Campbell now knowing, hey, they may have gone and got Marc-Andre Fleury. Would this been in my net or -hmm. would Fleury be there to guide me? I know you're saying that he, he may be all right with it, but at the same time, the optics play the same to me when the Leafs did that with Bernier bringing it over Reimer. Those two didn't mesh well together, became a problem. We won't get to see what that dynamic will be like here because obviously mm-hmm. Fleury is not coming. He's in Minnesota. But still for Jack Campbell, it's like, damn, I thought I was a guy. You know, I thought I'm, this is mine at my crease and you want me to be here long term apparently. So well, what's the real story here? Yeah, I, I again, I, I would imagine Dubas talked to Campbell about it. I just don't see it having... If Jack Campbell falters in the, in the, when he comes back, James, I don't know that that would have anything to do with it. It could be continuation of the way his game was going before he went out. But uh, he, he's the guy now, and he knows that. This, this Mrazic injury, we'll have to see how long Mrazic's out. But uh, no matter what happened March 20th, 19th, 18th, March 21st, yeah, the fact of the matter is Marc-Andre Fleury is a Minnesota Wild, and Jack Campbell's a Maple Leaf, and, and that's that. And uh I don't if Jack Campbell's a net on on May third or fourth, whatever game one is the first round of the playoffs. That's not going to be going through his mind during the national anthem. I can be fine. No, he's going to be winning winning games and obviously uh, padding the lines on the contract, so to speak. Uh, we're going to just going to pause for one second here. Proudly say that we're brought to you by Boxing Rock Brewing Co. Right there, seen on the puck. Absolutely delicious beer, the sponsor of this show, and we will bring in the other man of the show right here, finally available for us, Mister Josh Egan. How's it going, boys? Gents. There we are. So we've uh, we were just running through uh, the Jack Campbell situation with the Mark Andre Fleury trade that didn't happen, and just talking about where Jack's mind will be at. And obviously, you probably heard some of that. Um, the next thing I want to ask you about: last night in Boston, that game kind of got out of hand. Brad Marchand with the ten minute misconduct. Um, you know, obviously the Labushkin hit on Hall, then the sucker punch from Hall. Um, how did you view that situation there? Um, do you think the Labushkin hit was on the numbers? It looked like Hall turned and, you know, he got him basically shoulder, not back. And then obviously we've seen Hall get up, not to mention the player coming out of the penalty box doing the old corkscrew with the stick as well uh, before he was out of the box, which is another topic in itself. How did you view that whole situation, Terry, as it went down last night? Well, it just, you know, it's uh... – there was no call on the hit, right? And I thought what Hall did was a little, little bit much of a reaction. Obviously, you sucker punch a guy who's unsuspecting. I mean, that's the the epitome of a sucker punch or the definition of one, and it, it puts the Leafs in a tough spot. Um, I, I think the bigger thing for me out of the game is that the Leafs, the Leafs feathers were not ruffled at all. It said, "Okay, fine, we'll play four defensemen, and we're still going to uh, outplay you." and beat you in your own building. And that's what happens. And I think that that, for the bigger picture, that was uh, that kind of uh, victory for the Leafs that last night was important, especially the building it came in. I mean, you know, those guys weren't around in 2013. 
course, but they have been around in, in, in a little more recent years. Some of them have been at least, and uh, yep. we know what kind of memories that building holds. So for the Leafs to, to pull together like that, do it with 4D, uh, with a kid in net who's, who hasn't played a heck of a lot, although he has been good for them, I just think it spoke to the team's character. And um, the hit itself, you know, I don't know. I, I think the NHL could have taken a little bit of a longer look at it, obviously, just in comparison to some of the other things that have happened. That didn't happen, um, you know, and if you're the Leafs now, you keep your fingers crossed that Labutian is not out here for a while. But when you take a punch like that to the jaw, you fall down, you don't come back, That's you're not faking that. No. You're already, you're already yeah. down to defenseman. He's not staying out of the game just to, to, you know, for whatever reason, other than that, he'd be injured. So tough spot for yeah. the Leafs. You have to like what they did last night in, in forgetting about it and just – Shrugging and, 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 and keeping their pedal down and, and winning the hockey. Well, it's the, the inconsistency, was, right? Like because Josh, that, want, Josh, sorry, the inconsistency. If you and I are ninety or hundred, we will still be talking about it. Oh yeah, it's never, never going to go away. It's something that, it, that that sucks for everybody. Nobody's perfect, and I'm not defending the referees, but I'm just saying that this will be a discussion long after we're gone. All three of us. It will never yeah. change unless the NHL goes to robots as for officials, but. You know, by at that point, you could probably find an issue with it. But the inconsistencies are are difficult to to handle. But the fact of the matter is, you're not going to get perfection out of the men in straight. Just like you don't get perfection out of the players themselves. I mean, it's just it's just not something that's ever going to happen. But uh, um, it, I understand too that the boiling point for fans is a little. It gets a little bit higher when things like this happen. Yeah, certainly was high. Should have been high a few weeks ago when Matthews doesn't get called in overtime. And that is a direct income on that game. You hate to see what happens if the Leafs are appointed of something when this all ends on April 29th. You look back at that game and say, okay, would they have won that? But there's a penalty called on, on Matthews and Schiffrin doesn't go score. Yeah. So I understand there's a lot of frustration, but this is a thing where, man, it's just. Yeah, it'll, it'll, never, it'll never be perfect. Never, not even for a moment. But I mean, at the same time, there's times where it goes in your favor too, right? So. There are, there are, but you know, you just you have to remind yourself of that if you're Leaf fans after what happens last night. That there are times it has, does go in the favor. Now, yeah, the frustration builds too when you look at suspension of Spets early in the year, which did get shortened to four games. And you know, people would argue that the two for Matthews for what he did do, uh, Rosmus Dahlin was was a little maybe a game longer than it should have been. But uh, I would say to you that the fan bases and teams across the league, this is not, um, this is not uh, something that solely happens in Toronto, these frustrations. 31 other no, the, I think the, the yeah. main boring point for Leafs fans is, is is being, I think, at the bottom end of penalties called four yeah. in the league with players like Matthews and Marner and Tavares and Ryan. Right on that, definitely. You know, that that yeah. that raises a big question mark for a lot of fans of why there are fewer penalties. And we talked about this to jump off the beginning of the show, how the Leafs are first in the NHL on the power play with the limited yeah. opportunities they get. So that mm-hmm. is one thing I could see maybe the Leafs management. I mean, Kyle Dubas was laughing about it at the board of governors meeting was, when yeah. they asked him about the, the <laughs> refereeing inconsistency. All I could do was laugh. Cause obviously if you say anything else, you're getting fined. But right. to go back to that Boston game, something that I wanted to bring up was a lot of fans were uh, upset and kind of chirping about the fact, Hey, you dress Clifford in the lineup for these exact situations. Why isn't he going out there and gooning it up? Well, for me, it's, you're not going to go out there and goon it up because you're winning. If you start playing into that game with Boston, you're playing right into their hand. You're playing what they want you to do. So why would you do it? There's no, there's no point in that. Um, And you, and you see what happened. The the Bruins remained frustrated. Look at Marchand at the end of the second period. Yeah. I don't know what he was waving a stick at Francois and they're for, but he had no time for that either. He threw him right right away. I mean, it's uh there is no score for 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 Clifford to settle in a situation. This is just me in that situation. All he has to do is go hard on his shifts, and if he wants, point, point at the scoreboard. He's going back to the bench. Yeah. Right? <laughs> so that's, that's that's it. That's what he has to do in that situation. I didn't have any problem with it last night. This is not a a case of why aren't we sticking up for themselves or anything. I, I think they did a good job of that last night. Anyways, they did. They did. You know, I, I like the game they played. I think they. I think recently and this could just be me but they played a lot more physical recently well i think clifford was there for more of a like a, a just in case situation right like if it got even more out of hand then all right, well i clifford, think so too josh but you know. also you know wayne simmons hasn't done much to deserve to stay in 
The other the yeah. other interesting thing tomorrow is, you know, against Winnipeg, will we see uh, Abrazizi come in and, or not? I mean, there seemed to be a bit, bit of indication of the skate in Boston that didn't happen, of course, but... Uh, you know, I, I don't know. Does he does he get in having not practiced? I mean, Harvard was knocked out toward the end of last week. I think it was Thursday. We know that Tuesday was his first day back on the ice. Does he get in after a couple of morning skates? That might seem like a little bit much, but um, we'll have to see. But, but Clifford, uh, you know, uh, you know, didn't drop his gloves with anybody. I don't, I, again, I don't think that that was warranted last night. The Leafs just, like I said earlier, shrugged and just went out and won. And, I think we uh, probably see him Saturday against the Flyers. That, that would be yeah, more. So. That would be more what I would think too. You get a full practice in Friday. You get to you get you get used to your line mates. Like even the kid was saying yesterday, you know, already noticing a difference in the intensity and the pace just off the morning skate from the NCAA. Mm-hmm. Yeah, off a morning guy, a morning skate guys. There's no physicality. There's nothing like that. You know. Yeah, you're not exactly seeing 100 uh, percent uh, pedal to the metal in the morning skate. So if you're seeing that already. I would be very surprised if they put him in into a full game before he's had a full practice. I'm with you on that, Josh. Let, let me ask this question here. Um, this this narrative has been out there too, and I, I've kind of read into this one. There's a lot of guys on the Marlies like Steves and and the like that have really you know worked hard this season, done well as well, um, mm-hmm. and you know could be deserving of a chance. A guy comes off the NCAA, gets signed, he's right up with the big club, and you're talking about you know noticing the intensity off that. Does that kind of get a stick in the craw, or does it motivate you more? Uh, as a guy on the Marlies, you know, to want to do a little bit more to get up. Because, I mean, if you're doing everything that they're asking you to do and excelling pretty much like a guy like Steve's, um, you know, do you think that kind of cheeses you off a little bit that this guy's coming right in and sliding into a roster spot here? Well, I think it would it would do both. It would cheese you off and motivate you that much more. Not that guys, you know, I don't know how much motivation each person needs or what situation he's in, but if that was me in that spot, sure it would piss me off. Definitely. Yeah, you know, you have to look at it this way too. Um, who's getting an opportunity and for how long? Do we really expect any of these guys to come in and make long-term impacts well into May or June? I don't. I think you're asking for a lot there. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, Leafs Nation has anointed Matthew Nyes as the next Austin Matthews, so maybe he comes well, in and has some impact. He's 19 years old. He's not the next anything yet. No, like, come on. Let's take a put. Oh no, I trust me. I agree with you. I'm just uh, yeah, just so, laughing and shaking my head. Yeah, so that I mean, he, he still has a couple of weeks at least. I mean, he could be playing till April 9th. So, you know, there wouldn't be anything uh, too quick after that. But uh, you want to, if you want to have them in and see what they look like, fine. But if the Leafs are looking at college players and, and thinking they're going to make an impact in the playoffs, then perhaps they're not as deep as they like to think they are. But I, I just don't see it happening though. Sheldon Keith likes his group. Uh, does one of them get a shot ahead of a Simmons or a Clifford here in the next little while, perhaps? Then we'll see what injuries have to play, right? What role they have to play. Do they get the Leafs, you know, get a bit lucky and not get hurt any more injuries before now at the end of the season? But you're asking for a heck of a lot for players of that age. I you know Everett's is three years older than 22 to come in and, and be um, difference makers, no experience. That doesn't happen. No, definitely. Well, let's ask another question here. Obviously, we talked about the goaltending. Now, Josh is here. Um, Razik probably going to be on the shelf for just a little bit. Campbell still, we talked about not rushing him back. Who do you see backing up uh, Eric Schalgren? Uh, is it going to be, obviously, Joe Wool? I don't know if he's 100% ready to go either. Uh, there's a guy down in the ECHL who's tearing it up, Petrozelli. Um, does he come through the ranks like a Reimer did and back him up? Or... Are we looking at somebody that we we are not talking about here, like Hutchinson? Well, it's probably Hutch again, I would think. Hutchinson. Yeah, it's got to be. Yeah, I mean, I I think that's really the only issue, the only option they've got right now, given the injuries and everything else. Um, but you know what? Hey, listen, look, look at look at the silver lining with this. Shalgren has come in and played well. Yeah, and probably yeah, a little better than they thought. So if Shalgren gets the call tomorrow night, which I would assume happens, you're comfortable with that. That's not. You're not getting your your backup on wondering what's going to happen here. What are you going to see out of this guy? But you, you know, I think James, as we were talking earlier, Campbell really is not far off now. And yeah. this is the way Keith was talking yesterday. So this, you don't want your goalie to get hurt at any time. We get that. Um, Razak had done well in the time he had been back and a couple of big victories after clearing waivers. But um, he, uh, you know. You go, you go with, uh, you go with Shalgren and, and assume that Campbell is going to be back, right back here around the corner. Well, we hope Campbell's back pretty soon because they got a back-to-back Monday, Tuesday, Lightning, That's um, right. then the Panthers. That's 
I mean, well, Tampa, going into Tampa is Tampa's one of the loudest, Yeah, Tampa's one of the loudest buildings in the league. Period, and uh, they have that that fan base there really gets it going, and I'm sure they will, given what uh, could be on the line on Monday. I know a lot of hockey's to be played, but you could be talking about a, a, the team winning the night in second place at the end of that night in the yeah. division. So a lot will be there, but uh, we'll have to see. I, like I say, I from the way Campbell's trending, that might not be an issue for them for that game, one of those games, because he would be a net for one of them. Yeah, we'll I mean, that. that, that's what I'm assuming. You're running Shelgren Hutch in there. That's, that could be a little dicey for them, but. Yeah. Again, like me and Terry said, back. though, as well, I mean, you look at the Leafs, Josh, they are comfortably in a playoff spot, whether it's oh, a yeah. wild card, third or second, right? So, I mean, are the Leafs really stressing that much if they lose one of those games against Tampa or Florida? I don't think so. Um, they have a total of five games against teams that they're jockeying with for position, including those two games. Uh, another one still against Boston on the horizon. I think another one against Florida later on as well. So yeah. they two have more to Tampa and Florida each. Yeah. yeah. Two more visits to Tampa and Florida each. So there's, there's, there are a lot of four pointers coming. I think that what we're down to now, well, five left now, because it was seven a few days ago before they played the Panthers in Boston. Yeah. And they win the division. So, Listen, the Leafs want to win every game. They want they their goal is still to win the division, as difficult as that might seem on the outside. So they, they do want victories at the end of every night. Of course they do. But uh, you're right. They they are in a good spot right now, standings wise. And uh, like I say, um, you know the thing too, with Campbell. Even if he does come back, he's it's going to take him some time to get to back to where he was. We uh, I would think, you know, if he does get back to that point, so. You know, what kind of Campbell are we going to see right off the hop, whether it's against Philly on Saturday or, or like you say, Josh, one of those two games down in Florida on Monday, Tuesday. But, excuse me, um, he is almost there, like I say, and that's that's the positive you take out of all this for the goaltending situation. Mm-hmm. So a question I want to ask you now is about Austin Matthews. I know Josh probably interested in this one as well. He's uh, he's getting into rarefied air here. He's one goal away from 50. Um there's a lot of different talk of what this guy might be able to do down the stretch here. I think it's 17 games left for the Maple Leafs. Um, 60 is not out of the possibility here. What That's do you see Austin Matthews ending up with? Well, he's got what now? 49 and 61? Yeah, 49 and 61. So 60 goals is completely reasonable if he keeps this up. You know, I, I think if I'm Rick Vive, I'm probably enjoying my last week or two, whatever it is with the Leaf record. Yep. Because his name is going to be knocked off if if, if uh, Matthews doesn't get hurt. I mean, that's I, that's a given. I think we go to the bank on that one. He's five goals away from tying it, six from breaking it. And, uh, you know, Rick Five has held that record for, what, 40 years? 81, 82? Yeah, it's yeah. a long while. So, that, you know what? Good for Rick Five. He's a really good person. I've had a chance to talk to him a lot over the years, coaching Mississauga and being part of the Leafs alumni. I really like the guy a lot. But, uh you know, it appears Matthew is set. Matthew's set to break that, and uh, you know the things Matthews is doing. It's 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 one thing to put the puck in the net as much as he does, but we've seen his game come defensively. And you know, how many times, guys, have we seen the, the opposition get the puck and think they're off down the ice, and then it's it's going right back the other way because of something that Matthews or Marner has done in the neutral zone and, and tracking whatever it is. Yeah, Matthew's his 200 foot game has gone bonkers, yeah. man. I, I love takes, the way he, he's developed that. He takes the puck from people almost as commonly as he scores goals, if not more, right? So it's a uh, you talk about 200 foot game, legit heart trophy candidate. Obviously, I don't think there's any why people would argue against that. I don't know why they would. I was going to ask you that question because a lot of people seem to think with that suspension that might knock him, uh, knock him down a peg. Come on, whatever. I mean, look at what he's done in the games he's been in, he's been dominant and uh. You know, it'd be a special treat for him to get this at home because we know if he doesn't yeah. score tomorrow night, it's going to happen on the road in the next four games. Yeah, it won't happen at Scotiabank Arena. But um, he's a he's a special talent. I mean, there's no doubt about it. Generational, all those words you want to use, and the consistency. He's been scoring 40 goals more or less since he broke into the league. Yeah. Right? If if there's no COVID, guys, we know that we're. This 50-goal talk is, is already done. We've had this discussion a couple of years ago, and he probably gets another 50 this year already, and that's done. Okay, another 50-goal season for Matthews would have happened. But um, the things that line is doing as a whole are, are pretty pretty incredible. He almost did it last year in a shortened season. Yeah. I mean, it's crazy. And he would have done it two years ago. What do you have, 47 and 70 when the season ended? 
Yeah, something like that. Yeah, yeah. So that that happens then, and again, probably vives the record is in jeopardy then. But uh, no, it's uh, you know, it's an inter- what what I'm going to be curious to see you guys going forward is you know if you don't uh, you want to get Tavares Nylander going on that second line or you know Mikheyev there now if Nylander gets moved back to it Tavares that sort of thing. You, do you, does Sheldon Keefe ever get to a point where he thinks maybe I have to break up that top line? You would think not. Uh, just everything that it's done together and Bunting's been, you know, you can keep your fingers crossed when you sign a Michael Bunting, given his lack of experience in the league. <laughs> and he's come out, he said it himself. I didn't think I'd produce like this. And he, he's not, he's not a guy playing on that line, getting those points because he plays with Matthews and Marner. If that was the case, ask the guy they traded to Arizona, why that didn't happen for him. You have to have a, you have to have a, something a little special to play on that line. Bunting's brought that thing. You know something Matthew. too, though, that the relationship between Matthews and Bunting. Uh, just watching that little tidbit video today, the two yeah. of them jabbing at each other, and him calling uh, calling Bunting chubby. You know, just having fun with it, right? They kind of mesh well together. That, that might have not worked with Richie. Who knows, right? Well, but it seems like they play off each other well. And and it didn't work, or else you know that trade wouldn't have happened. And we're not talking yeah. about Ilya Lubushkin being a good addition for the Leafs. It didn't work. Uh, like we said earlier, good for Kyle Dubas to get something out of that. But yeah, Bunting has been great. What's he? I think he's at nine fifty again next year. If there will be a better, a better value uh, for the dollar in the NHL next year on any team, I'd love to see it because if he continues where where what he's done this year, he's going to have another great season for the Leafs. Do you uh, see him winning the Rookie of the Year? I don't think he will. No, oh, I, I, that's not good for my futures bet, Terry. Well, I, I just <laughs> you have to look at what the defenseman's doing in Detroit on that team. Sider, yeah. yeah, you have to. I mean, come on. I mean, the age. Uh, I know we get into the age and everything and, and all that sort of thing, but uh, you know, Bunting had some had season some seasoning, of course, in the minors. Had the good season with Arizona, of course, but uh, he's going to be in the talk. But I think the age does work against him, and it's not only that, but it's it's what Sider has done in Detroit is pretty uh, exceptional for a person. Oh, that's pretty special. Defense been doing and, that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. And the age he's playing, and on that team, I mean. You know, Detroit apparently thinks it's okay to allow 9, 10, 11 goals every so often, and insiders come through it okay. So, uh, but good for Bunting to get into that conversation because, again, I don't think that uh, we necessarily would have seen that, uh, you know, when he was signed last summer. You mm-hmm. want to be an impact player? Yeah. He's been, that. He's been excellent for them. Well, the last question I want to hit you with here, I know Josh is uh, a little bit starving as well. Did I get something to eat into him? The salary cap talk for the playoffs is something that has come up. It's yeah. now being talked about. Um, for you, I want to get your honest opinion here. Do you think there should be a salary cap? I'll say my answer right away, no, there shouldn't be. Mm-hmm. Only reason why is if you run into a rash of injuries, how do you feel the team if you yeah. have to keep pulling guys and put them on? Um, is there a way to to do something to make it fair so teams don't Kucherov or Eichel or however, whatever name you want to attach to it? Right. Uh, I'm wondering for you, what do you think? Well, can you have one without the other? Can you hide guys if that's the way we want to call it and then have them come back and not have a cap in the playoffs? I'm with you, but I mean, it's how do you get around that if you do have the injuries? Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it, there, there's no easy answer. There really isn't, I don't think. And uh, I, I would imagine it's an issue that the NHL and the PA are likely going to wrestle with here. I can while. see them. I mean, the thing I struggle with, if the player, players aren't being paid, how are you enforcing a salary cap? That was kind of weird to me. But also, if you wanted to do something like this, mm-hmm. you have your, whatever it is, 23-man roster for the playoff that's cap compliant. And then if you have someone on IR, you can activate them in a playoff, in the playoffs, but someone on mm-hmm. your 23-man roster has to come off to replace that player. So if there was an injury, let's say, you know, in in uh, in the playoffs when they did the Kucherov situation, let's say Brandon Point goes down and he has to be put on IR, okay, but now we can activate Kucherov because we pretty much switched out point for for Kucherov. Right. Might be a start. I'm not paid to make this decision, but that's how yeah. I envision it. Like you have a sort of like the taxi squad, right? You can yeah. move guys back and forth. That way you're not enforcing a salary cap. It's more of a player limit. And then you have a, you know, five, six, seven guys that you can draw from, maybe throw a goalie spot on there in case – you know, you're the Leafs yeah. and Mrazic pulls his groin again in game six. Like right. it's anything like that that could see them maybe enforcing that. But outside of that, you're going to have to get pretty damn creative with it. 
Well, you will, depending on what road the league decides to go down, if they do, if they do decide to change it at any point. Uh, but we seem, there seems to be some sort of appetite for that. And and then how, you know, if, if you decide to stick with a cap type thing, uh, is, does that loosen a bit, mm-hmm. if you will, when the playoffs start? I mean, it, it's, there, it's, it's like I say, it's a question that doesn't have a lot of easy answers to it. And... Um, you don't like to see what happened last year with Tampa. You know, you skirt around it. Obviously, we see what happens. But again, that's not something that's that's happening commonly. And and James, to your earlier point about the injuries and that sort of thing, you know, cap or not, teams have made do with injuries in the playoffs, and they do get through them. There's, yeah. I don't, I, I don't have a list in front of me. I don't, I haven't done the research on it, but I would imagine that every single team that has won the Stanley Cup in the past X amount of years, you know. They get by. They get by without players who otherwise should be in the lineup, right? Who are hurt, yeah. and they manage to make it work. So, I think in that regard, the playing field is kind of equal or, or um, level, if you will, because you don't know going in who, who where the injuries are going to occur for what teams. So you have that X factor going into it. But I, yeah. I don't know. It's a. It's a. It, the other thing too with the CBA is, is as well as well put together as these things are and everything, we see the loopholes all the time. And how do you close that? If you close one here, does another one open over here? And it always is. There's always people looking for those, right? I mean, yeah, Jim, your, your capologist is paid to do that. Yeah. Find a way to make this work. Yeah. That's guy, what you're guy, paid to do. Make it work. Yeah. Yeah. A guy, a guy in Toronto is good at it. Brandon Prado, of course, he had a hand in writing the CBA and all that sort of thing. Yeah. When it, so, so he has that history of it. But uh, the, um, you know, you pay those people to do that and you go forward. And if you have the right person in place to help you get through those things, then maybe you don't worry about it so much. But uh, it's certainly an issue that's not going anywhere. We know that now. No, for sure. Well, let's close the loop here tonight. The Toronto Maple Leafs, obviously, right now battling for that third or second seed right now in the Atlantic. Where do you see this team finishing up, Terry? Do you see them in the top one, two, or three of the Atlantic or wild card? I see them in the top three. I do. I think if they can, you know, there, there, there are ifs with everything. I understand that, but uh, you know, you have to have encouragement by the way they played the last three games, at least. And I go back to the Montreal game where they, they win that game, if not for Jake Allen. So they're doing a lot of good things structurally in that one. They've done a lot of good things structurally in their last two victories against Florida and Boston. I'll be surprised if they fall into a wild card spot. I really will. I know that, like I said, I know there's questions of the goaltending, How's Campbell going to be when he comes back? What's the status of Razor going forward? But uh, the Leafs are doing some good things now uh, from the crease out and getting back to some of the things they were doing earlier in the season that we that have been missing. You keep that going. You like the way Giordano has come in and shorted up. You like the way mm-hmm. Labushkin's come in and played. So there are a lot of factors here that, that had been missing uh, in January, February that they didn't have. And... You know they're 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 coming together. Uh, you know you don't want to forget a guy like Blackwell. He's I think he's did some better things last night playing center. Um, but you know I I see them being in the top three when it's all done. Do they finish? Yeah, I really first? like what Blackwell's no. brought to the no. squad. I, I I I like the board play. I like the way he digs out the puck. I like the way he's not afraid even at his size that people yeah. knock him for at five nine. He's still willing to go in there and battle and dig and do all those things that we love here in Leafs Nation. So yes, no, I see them. Uh, I see them in second, second in the Atlantic. And I really want to see them play Boston. That's the, the opponent. I guess that's the final question I pose to both of you. Who's your most sought-after opponent for the Toronto Maple Leafs? Is it the Carolina Hurricanes with Freddie Anderson? Is it Boston to slay the Dragon? Or is it Tampa just to say that you beat the Cup champs and move on? Well, I, I, out of all out of the four possibilities, I guess. You know, I don't know if the Rangers or Penguins into that, depending on what happens in the other division. To me, the most the most enticing one would be Carolina, mm. just with the Anderson history. Yeah, I, I know that you know there's an appetite to to get past the Boston hurdle in the fan base. That's fine. I just think it'd be fascinating to see what would happen if they faced Anderson in the first round. Yeah, they, like they can play one. with Carolina. They've come the Leafs have come a long way from where they were in October when he made that comment about what a contender looks like. The Leafs have come a long way from that. They beat Carolina recently, of course, and uh, I, to me, that would be that would be the uh, juiciest matchup. I think I really do. Tampa, their cup's fine, whatever they have that experience. But when you're facing the guy in net, 
who couldn't help you get it done in the previous five seasons, that's when you'd be the most alluring. Mm-hmm. Now tell me I'm wrong. What do you guys think? <laughs> I like Josh, it. Where you go first? Well, I want Boston in the first round just to kind of get past that demons. Like we all saw that famous line from the documentary, but you kind of convinced me with your Carolina one. I think that would be a lot of fun because we can it finally get finally get game seven Freddy just on the other side. Well, yeah, I, I just think it'd be very fascinating to see how that goes. I mean, Carolina, yeah. don't get me wrong. It's a, it's a, I'm not saying by saying that, that the Leafs are going to win that series. Definitely. Carolina is a hell of a hockey team. Or Rod oh, yeah. is a hell of a coach, but that, that's the thing with this guys. There, there's no, none of the four opponents you can say, okay, well, you know, that would be the easiest because you yeah. can make an argument for all four of them quite, quite simply, just like you can for the Maple Leafs. So, I think any draw, any draw is going to be a lot of fun to watch and cover. I don't think there's any doubt about that. But like I say, you're going against the guy that you know so well. We know the relationship that he has with number 34. That hasn't gone anywhere. I just think that'd be a lot of fun to see how that would uh, unfold over what I assume would be a six or seven game series. Yeah. No, there'd be a lot of meat on the bone in that one, especially the way, sure. like you said, Carolina plays, the way they're coached. But same thing, you know, Keith is tired of being told he's outcoached. You know, yeah. you look at the past couple of playoffs that he's had, it's been, oh, he's got outcoached by X or outcoached by who. So now he probably wants to do the same thing. I think it's the juiciest too because of the Freddie thing. And we'll see. Does Freddie falter or does Freddie stand on his head and put the Leafs out yet again in the first round? That's what the intrigue is going to be. And that's why the playoffs are pretty much kooky dukes because you never know what's going to happen. He's going to yeah. watch it and enjoy it. Agreed. I mean, look what happened a few years ago when Columbus eliminated Tampa in the first round of four, right? Yep, got the brooms out and swept them. Caught lightning in a bottle. Has lightning lost since? You know, it, it just, uh, yeah. it, it is, it is, you can, we all, we're all going to make predictions on May 1st before any of these things start. And it's always fun to look back two weeks later and say, what the hell was I thinking? Or <laughs> I, I was right on that one. But that's what makes it so much fun. I really I like it. what Jamal Mayer said on the, I think it was either the Sportsnet panel or the TSM, whatever one it was, uh, about the scar tissue. And that Matthews and Marner and all these guys now have a lot of scar tissue. And that'll help them going through this playoffs. And that'll help build them, you know, and run through this playoffs. And they look like a completely different machine than they did last year, in my opinion, the way that they play. So I'm excited for the playoffs. I'm excited for no matter who it is. Just get there, get healthy, and I want to see this rock and roll. Yeah, that's that's the biggest thing. Stay healthy before the playoffs start. And you know what? It's interesting now, eh? How the Leafs have, have uh, where they are in the overall standings, and everyone was saying last year they're doing it because it was North Division. They didn't have tough opponents. Well, here they are. You know, a year later, and, and they've uh, they've acquitted themselves quite well. Yeah. And uh, hey, listen, I'm like everyone else. I know that the proof comes in the playoff pudding. We get that. But yeah, I'd rather be talking about this Leaf team now and what they've done for this regular season than a team that's struggling at eight or nine, trying to bang their way into the playoffs. That's mm-hmm. not what the Leafs are. No, I agree with you 100%. Well, I can't wait for the playoffs to kick off. We will have you back on before they do uh, to search out what matchup they got going on and you know who's going to win and what's going to happen there and get your predictions throughout. But, Terry, you're always so gracious with your time. I want to thank you very much for jumping on with us tonight. Thanks for having me, guys. Always good to talk Leafs and hockey with you. Yeah, sounds good. You go. Thanks, Terry. Well, this is Offside Hockey Talk, where hockey comes to talk. Proudly brought to you by Boxing Rock Brewing Co.'s Puck Off Lagerdale. Get yourself some when you get out east. All right, guys, we'll catch you later.